Hello and welcome to this week's five minutes of intercourse with Dr. Don because we all need to talk at least a little about sex. Every second you're awake, your eyes are exposed to over one trillion bits of unique information. Your brain cannot pay attention to all this information, so it decides what's important and remembers it. The rest fades away. So what you report seeing says almost everything about who you are. Play with me for a moment. Report what you see. Do you see an old woman? Or a young lady? Or maybe you see them both. Which one did you see first? Let's try another, but this one is a bit different. All I want you to do with this image is stare at it. Keep on staring at it, and you'll eventually see something happening with the image. Keep on staring. The first thing you're likely seeing is a cube, even though it is physically two-dimensional. And you're also likely seeing this cube as shifting in which the front of the cube becomes the back and the back of the cube becomes the front. And then it keeps on doing this back and forth. See it? This phenomena is called the Necker cube. The Necker cube being a cube and shifting back and forth is completely based upon you making it this way. In fact, the Necker cube tells us much more about you than it does the lines that compose it. Let's try one last one. Report what you see here. This is one of the original 10 ink blots used by the 20th century Swiss psychologist Hermann Rorschach. There's no meaning within the ink blot itself. You put the meaning upon it. And you do this by projecting your personality into whatever you report seeing. So what do you see? Personality is defined as your core characteristics. Are you open, extroverted, conscientious, agreeable, neurotic? Psychologists measure personality using a variety of techniques, including paper and pencil tests, self-reports, and behavioral analyses. I think the neatest way psychologists measure personality is by using projective tests. Present a meaningless image, like an inkblot, and then simply have the person describe what's in the image. Whatever the person sees is equal to their personality. Shall we try one more? What do you see here? I see a clock showing the time of five o'clock, a time that represents after work and the amount of time an intercourse video is supposed to be running. What do you see? And what does that say about you? Since launching 5MI Weekly, I've had a bunch of people ask me, are there penises and vulvas within this clock? To tell you the truth, I've never noticed. But if there were, would it matter? Only a pervert would even be asking this question. Before you throw me under or in the proverbial judgmental bus, might I argue that it's fine time that someone other than a pervert brings to life P.
penises and vulvas. Google processes over three and a half billion search queries per day, many of which, performed under cloak of anonymity, are about sex. Seth Stevens' fascinating new book about Google searches reveals the most frequently asked questions about sex are not the extravagant ones about affairs or fantasies or fetishes. Instead, they're simple, basic, and about sexual anatomy. How big should my penis be? Is it healthy for my vagina to smell like vinegar? The heck with brains, hearts, and lungs. Penises are the top priority when it comes to men. They search about this organ more than all their other organs combined. In fact, Google searches reveal people are much more concerned about their own sexual anatomies than others. Women are more likely to do searches on vulvas than men. And men, when compared to women, are 170 times more likely to pose questions about penises. Wikipedia has been described by its founder as the sum of all human knowledge, and its pages get over 250 million viewers per day. And when it comes to its human anatomical pages, by far the most popular ones are associated with the penis, the vagina, and the vulva. For example, the pages associated with the brain, a pretty important organ when it comes to us humans, average about 215,000 views per month, a number far less than half the number of views of the pages associated with the penis or the vagina. How about I was to simply ask you to define penis? And then I ask you to define vulva. Would your definitions be accurate? As part of a larger study, some colleagues and I recently asked freshman and sophomore level college students to do exactly this. Define vulva, define penis. And what did we find? Only 5% of college students were able to accurately define vulva. And only 75%, not 100% of college students were able to accurately define penis. The conclusions drawn from this study were simple. Sexual knowledge and understanding are based upon language and vocabulary. Without vocabulary, sexual knowledge is non-existent. There are clear consequences of this lack of personal sexual knowledge. For example, heterosexual women, when compared to men, are one-third as likely to orgasm when engaged in sexual intercourse. This dramatic difference is not due to a woman's physiology. William Masters and Virginia Johnson demonstrated in a laboratory over 50 years ago that women, when compared to men, are just as, if not more, physiologically capable of orgasm. Another consequence of lacking personal sexual knowledge are sexual dysfunctions. Sexual dysfunctions affect at least 43% of women and 31% of men. That's practically one out of every two women and one out of every three men. By any other name, these are epidemic proportions of the population. The most frequent sexual dysfunctions for women are arousal and desire dysfunctions. And for men, it's premature ejaculation 
and erectile dysfunction. How are these dysfunctions most likely to be treated? Well, that's a trick question because people with sexual dysfunctions are most likely not to seek treatment. Instead, they're more likely to suffer in silence and out of the light. For fear of saying something aloud, they may be labeled abnormal, weird, or maybe even a pervert. This is especially sad since all of these dysfunctions have treatments and many of them have cures. Most of the treatments with the best outcomes include sexual literacy and psychoeducation. In other words, know thy body. My time is almost up about four minutes ago. Let me end this week's intercourse with a promise and a question. Even though I still don't see any vulvas or penises within 5MI Weekly's opening graphic, that's on you and not on me. I promise you can make this world a little bit better because of your insight. How, you ask? This leads me to the last question I have for you this week. Before we meet again, will you include in a conversation with someone you know or don't know the words penis and vulva? I don't care what the conversation is about or if it's with your grandmother or the grocery store clerk or your lover. Just do it in such a way that it breaks the cycle of the silence of sex. I look forward to your conversations on Twitter at 5MI underscore weekly, hashtag no more silent sex. Thanks for watching. If you could rate this video, I'd appreciate it. Like us on Facebook at 5MI Weekly and follow us on Twitter. If you have suggestions about intercourse topics, then leave your ideas in the comment section or send those suggestions on Twitter to at 5MI underscore weekly using the hashtag 5MI Topics. If I use your ideas for an intercourse, then I promise I'll be sending you a free copy of Bean, my book on happiness.